it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, 1-866-408-7669. It's a beautiful Tuesday uh, in New York and hopefully up and down the Northeast. You know, 95 and trying to get through Philadelphia after that collapse. Uh, thanks to that truck. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West at 920. At the bottom of the hour, Lexi Lawless talks about going over to Australia and the Women's World Cup and everything else with Messi coming over uh, to discuss. We'll have all that on our mind. Uh, meanwhile, it's going to be an historic day. As we know what happens at 3 o'clock uh, Eastern time, the president will turn himself in, which brings us to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. And frankly, this could get even worse for the Biden team because the Chinese are unlikely to have just a spy station there. They probably have a deeper relationship with Cuba than we realized. China. Why lie? They have a spy station in Cuba. The Wall Street Journal broke the story and Biden denies it, then confirms it. The threat is real and the administration is not up to fighting against it. Just begging to be friends, we'll discuss. Number two. The foreign national who allegedly bribed Joe and Hunter Biden allegedly has audio recordings of his conversation with them. 17 such recordings. Think about that. Caught on tape. That's what's alleged by Senator Grassley, Hunter, Joe, and Burisma executives talking about illicit payments when Joe was VP. This is beyond explosive. There are questions abound, including where are these tapes and why is the FBI redacting them on these documents? Number one. Um, what I can tell you for sure, I know about, I know about that indictment, is there's probably about a third of the evidence they actually have is in that indictment. There's a lot more. Uh, there will guaranteed be a lot more. Up first, a former president and perhaps future president arraigned on 17 cat 37 counts ranging from withholding national defense documents to making false statements. I'm talking about Donald Trump. No cameras anywhere and protests and rallies could be everywhere. Also, it sounds like some of the uh, uh, some of the Republican nominees are changing their tune when it comes to the documents and Trump's role in this. We'll have it all. And that's really the case. Just to review, we know today at 3 o'clock the president will turn himself in. No cameras. There's going to be no uh, There's no video, no sketch artist. Everyone's told leave the electronics outside. One count of withholding a document uh, of record. One count of uh, corruptly concealing a document of record. One count of concealing a document in a federal investigation. A count of scheme to uh, conceal. And a count on the uh, false statements or representations. And, of course, we know about... Accounts on conspiracy and everything like that. He'll plead not guilty and then waive his right for a speedy trial. So he'll try to drag it out, get the nomination, win an election, and pardon himself. Now, we know that every Democrat thinks he's guilty. We know that in the past he's been unfairly targeted. We know this is a self-inflicted error, regardless of how it turns out. What's interesting is Chris Keiss is one of his attorneys, uh, and he's going to go ahead and offer a few motions. Number one of the motions is going to say, hey, you can't take my lawyer and have him testify against me. And everything that you made him say should be thrown out. Number two, and including his text messages. Number two, 
the witnesses are all complaining that you pressured them, threatened them, and extorted them. If that is in fact true and it ends up being they have to go on trial to defend themselves and their practices, you'll have to throw that out. And of course, little by little, whittle down on the number of charges and then hope you get a friendly a friendly jury and a jury that's not unanimously going to convict you because that's what it will take. Right now, 48% of the country do think that Donald Trump uh, should be charged with a crime. But also, 47% think this whole thing is politically motivated, including 81% of Republicans. Where do you stand? As I mentioned earlier, some of the candidates are changing their tune. Here's an example. Cut to. No one is above the law. Secondly, it is important to know, from my years as your vice president, and also my years serving on the International Relations Committee in the Congress of the United States, the handling of classified materials of the United States is a serious matter. We know that, and that's why you should vote for him or not vote for him. I think the whole thing could have been totally avoided. Now, here's Nikki Haley. Not necessarily changing her tune, but listen, cut six. Two things can be true at the same time. One, the DOJ and FBI have lost all credibility with the American people. And getting rid of just senior management isn't going to be enough to fix this. This is going to take a complete overhaul, and we have to do that. Two, the second thing can also be true. If this indictment is true, if what it says is actually the case, President Trump was incredibly reckless with our national security. And that could be true. But then you say, okay, reckless. Let's convict him 37 charges, give him 500 years in prison. All right. There's nothing, no difference between what Hillary Clinton did, only she destroyed everything. Nobody said Donald Trump destroyed anything. Uh, No one said he sold anything. What you have is Hillary Clinton destroyed everything. And it's not what about ism. I'm just talking about two different scales of justice, and that's a huge problem. When you have a precedent, also, how's the investigation to Joe Biden going right now? You know, all the documents that we found in his, by his Corvette in his garage, in his office, uh, at the Penn Center, at the University of Pennsylvania, was the Biden Center. And then you had the University of Delaware. You also had Chinatown, where all these documents are. How is it going? How come we don't have an update on that? How many highly classified documents are there taken from Senator and former Vice President Joe Biden? And then how's he going to be convicted? So if you're going to put, throw the book at Donald Trump... And you say you can, and you say you have the 49 pages proven, and I read it, and there's a lot of damning stuff in there, if proven to be true. But let's see everybody held to the same standard, and then you'll eliminate that entire argument. Next, yesterday, find out this, that you know that 1023, and we don't know what a 1023 is. We're not in the middle of, uh, we're not, we don't work for the FBI. We don't take in intakes. So the FBI takes in this credible source who's gotten paid hundreds of thousands of dollars from the FBI to help them. And says, look, I witnessed some unsavory behavior in Ukraine with Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. Take this down. So they put it down at 1023. And they hand it over to Pittsburgh, we found out later from William Barr, to further investigate this to see if it's true. Because if it's true, it makes the president and his family complicit in a bribery scheme. And Pittsburgh does investigation but doesn't have charging. And they hand it over to the to Delaware district attorney where it goes to die. Just like Hunter Biden's goes to die. Four-year investigation into Hunter Biden. Nuts. And then after seeing these documents and threatening contempt charges against the FBI director in order to see them, the Oversight Committee sees it, and they're heavily redacted. 
but they say it is really damning and it makes it makes a, a lot of brings up a lot of questions about Joe Biden, Hunter Biden and Burisma. And then Chuck Grassley made his way to the microphone yesterday and he got information over the weekend, it seems, that reveals redacted are proof of tapes of conversations reportedly and extortion involving the current president of the United States. Cut 19. The 1023 produced to the House committee's redacted reference that the foreign national who allegedly bribed Joe and Hunter Biden allegedly has audio recordings of his conversation with them. 17 such recordings. According to the 1023, the foreign national possesses 15 audio recordings of phone calls between him and Hunter Biden. Two with Joe Biden. So let me ask you, you heard about that tapes. Mark Meadows, biographer, was uh, interviewing President Trump, tape rolling where President Trump said some things uh, that shows a carelessness when it comes to intelligence documents as it relates to Iran. If you have Joe Biden on tape, if this proves to be correct, getting $5 million, which is said to be in these forms, by the whistleblower, and getting Hunter Biden the job and Burisma, a job he's not qualified for, even admitted that when he did his ridiculous book tour with Amy Robach. How, tell, this is different, but the level is just as damning. And you, even CNN will have to cover it. I'm going to leave some time for Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, used to handling intelligence documents when he was in the military, when he was in Congress, and beyond. Uh, we'll be talking to him, and then we'll have some fun with Alexi Laos, and then open up the phones. Busy day. So glad you're here. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. According to the 1023, the foreign national possesses two audio recordings of phone calls between him and then Vice President Joe Biden. These recordings were allegedly kept as a sort of insurance policy for the foreign national in case that he got into a tight spot. Wow. So, uh, Lieutenant Colonel on West, our guest now, that was Senator Grassley. This really blindsided me, Colonel, and a lot of people are ignoring it. But the revelations redacted, the Senator Grassley find out, reveal uh, the on that 1023 form that there are tapes existing showing Joe Biden in two of them and Hunter Biden in 15 of them talking about some illicit payments with this Prisma executive. Your thoughts? Well, it's good to be with you. Good morning, Brian. Uh, That's just Russian misinformation and disinformation. and uh, That's just a bunch of lies. We should not pay attention to that. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because 
you know, Donald Trump's a Russian uh, spy and an agent. You know, what, what that story is not being told on most of the other news media in the United States of America uh, because the news media is complicit with what is happening with this Biden administration. And so what everyone is focused on today is, of course, what's happening with Donald Trump down in Miami. But if we don't understand that we have a president that is compromised, we have a presidential family that is compromised and it's affecting our foreign policy and national security standing right now, uh, you, you know, this this is a story that cannot be hid. I don't and, think so. You know, shame on. No, it can't be. And it should not be. And shame on the people that are trying to. Here's more. Cut 21. The 1023 also indicates that then Vice President Joe Biden may have been involved in Burma employing Hunter Biden. Based on the facts known to the Congress and the public, it's clear that the Justice Department, the FBI, haven't nearly had the same laser focus on the Biden family. Can you imagine? This is what they say. The redacted portion of the 1023 had listing of the tapes that existed by this Burisma executive. Wait a second. Why would you redact it on that on an unclassified document? Why would the FBI say you can look at it, but don't look at this? Because you might ask to hear the tapes that would verify the 1023 right off the bat. What could, what could I be missing, Colonel West? You're not missing anything. And once again, it just shows that we have a politicized Department of Justice. We have a politicized uh, Federal Bureau of Investigation. That is, they're not worried about the equal disposition of justice. They're working about justice being uh, blind toward one party, but uh, clearly has the eyes open on another party. And really, it's blurry vision when you come to the other party that they're going after. So the American people need to be very uh, upset about this. The American people need to be paying attention to this more than the sideshow that's going to be happening in Miami, because this talks to the rot that is occurring in Washington, D.C. So uh, I'm sure if you read the indictment, you couldn't have been happy about the, what was at Mar-a-Lago, especially you who had intelligence documents when you were in the military and when served in Congress, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, you're absolutely right. But here's the deal. Uh, again, there has to be an equal disposition of justice. Now, if I had been a commander in the United States military and I had classified documents in my quarters, I'm not talking to you on radio. I'm still sitting in Fort Leavenworth prison. So why is it that Hillary Clinton could have had an unsecure uh, email server that was to, had classified information going over it, and she had it in her own uh, her place, uh, had it in a bathroom? Why is it that Joe Biden has classified documents uh, in a garage next to his Corvette, uh, why is it that the, another former vice president, Mike Pence? So all of these things we look at, we've got to treat everything the same equally. And what I think that we need to do going forward is just say nobody, no president, nobody. You you do not get to take uh, classified, unclassified documents right. with you when you leave office. I know. It just seems to me so preventable. He's going to go in there and fight. The one thing I just am amazed at, I don't think you should be threatening witnesses. 
I don't think you should be flipping lawyers. Michael Cohen, remember this started. They raid Michael Cohen's office, find paperwork, yeah. and seven years, four years later, they're indicting President Trump in, in a New York courtroom. And now they're going up to his attorney and say, well, we got a reason to believe that you're complicit in a crime. So come give me everything that you have, your emails, your text messages, and submit to questioning. They're going to look with motions. Now, we're not lawyers, but they're going to offer some motions to toss that out. And then, then also, they're going to look at some of this redacted, these uh, these highly classified material, and tell Jack Smith, "You can't just convict somebody and tell me it's classified. You have to show me what it says." And if Jack Smith is forced to show him what it says, they're going to have to pull it because you cannot show in an open courtroom what this classified material is. Yeah. So this all could affect the case. Yeah, that could affect the case, and then you have to talk about intent. Uh, I mean, if you're going to charge the president under the Espionage Act, then that is talking about intent. So if he had these things uh, in Mar-a-Lago, let, let's be honest, you got Secret Service there. You have a level of security that is there. But what was the intent behind uh, him having these documents? So you have to show some malicious uh uh, intent. You have to show some nefarious designs, what have you, because again, you know, Hillary Clinton destroyed classified material. She just after those uh, materials were subpoenaed, and we talk about the email server. Uh, you know, James Comey said that yes, it was there, it was wrong, but we decided not to prosecute this case. So why is there this prosecutor prosecutorial discretion in one uh, episode, but then not in the other? So. So they've got a lot of digging out of a hole in this case with Donald Trump. All right. So I find this pretty amazing. Cuba set up a spy station. Uh, excuse me. China set up a spy station in Cuba, the impoverished nation. Now, in turn, Cuba, China also helped track down all those people who protested the communist government and wanted a revolution a year ago. This administration ignored it. So those people's lives are ruined or they're dead already. And they get their spy station and Cuba gets billions of dollars. And then when asked, John Kirby denies the Wall Street Journal report that discusses this, and then comes back and says, well, what happened in 2019? I mean, are you, are you tired of this administration blaming everything on the previous administration? And well, lying? I think the American, the American people are tired of the blame and the lying. But again, when you have... I would say 35 to 40 percent of the American populace that aren't getting this story. They aren't getting the conversation that you and I are having. And if we are having this conversation, they're just, you know, waving it off again as Russian disinformation, what have you. But we've got some serious issues here. And, and John Kirby, I've said it before, he's a disgrace. Uh, the fact that that guy ever wore a uniform admiral. in the United States of America, that's an admiral. That's appalling. He should never take the job. Uh, if he feels as though he can't go to bat for a lot of these things the administration's doing, he should never be a spokesperson. I mean, you should not. He has got to go there and spin it. He said that the Wall Street Journal story is not true. Two days later, it yeah. is true. Oh, but it was 2019. When is that okay? That's not how you communicate. We don't comment on things like that. How about that? It is not okay. It is not okay, and the press corps of the White House should be livid about that. Yeah, uh, and the White House should just actually tell the Chinese to pull out the spy station. Uh, thanks so much, Colonel. Uh, Alexi Lalas is next. We have some fun. Women, World Cup, three straight world titles. Can they do it? Alexi Lalas and Messi.
information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. They're ready to celebrate, ready to party, ready to run on. And they are the world champions again. 1991, 1999, 2015, and now 2019. For the fourth time, the United States of America are crown champions of the world. And for the very first time, they've done it on European soil. And there you go. The U.S. women's national team go back to back and win it. Are they going to go for three in a row? We're going to find out in about a month. Alexi Laos is Fox leads Fox uh, Fox Sports, Fox soccer analyst, I should say. He's going to be joined by Carly Lloyd. Uh, it, they're going to be analyzing, breaking down from the studio what's happening over in Australia uh, as the women try to be the best in the world. Lexi, great to see you. Good to see you, my friend. How are things going? Good. Do you have off in between cups, or you still work the gold cup? And oh, yeah. Like there's that? always soccer. There's always someone kicking a ball. Are you doing anything with the MLS? Uh, we do some MLS stuff. Yeah. We, do, uh, we have gold cup coming up and Nations League when it comes to the, uh, the Europe. And, yeah, we, we got a lot of content when it comes to uh, Fox. Fox is, yeah, Fox is heavily invested in this soccer. This is what we do. And there's always, like I said, there's always somebody kicking a ball somewhere in the world. Men's, women's, co-ed, naked, doesn't matter. I'm there. Right, and you will call it. I'll call it. You will call it like you see it. it. How are you doing, my friend? Good. You look good. You know, it's very rare when guests ask how I'm doing, but when you ask, I think you want an answer. Well, I do want an answer. And before we get into it, can we just put something to, to – I want to help you out here, okay? Because, you know, I, I have my finger on the pulse of the American soccer community yes. out there. A few days ago, uh, the big news about Messi came down, right. right? So you go on air because you're kind of the resident soccer guy here, and it, it transcended everything. And I was like, this is very important. Right. You go on the air, and you start talking about do, some do stuff. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, I want to hear this. Right, do go. we have it? Yeah, the only thing I worry about, he doesn't speak English, and I want to see him sit down and talk. Uh, one thing about David Beckham, he learned to speak English uh, for us, only uh, with an accent. Uh, when he came at 32 years old, Messi said this, if... It had been a matter of money. I'd have gone to Arabia or elsewhere. It seemed like a lot of money to me. The All truth right, is, so, that, so I made that casual comment. Listen, I, I've known you for a long time. Right. You are a you are a gentleman. You are a scholar. You are a learned man. All okay, I, and I've been involved in entertainment for long enough to I know what you were trying to say right. there, right? And you know, it didn't. But you know also that the American soccer community, we are ruthless. We will, you know, see any type of weakness and we will seize upon it. And we it's will not drive just soccer. you down. Look, look, everybody, you know, but you, you, you got pretty thick skin here. But you do recognize that English, albeit, you know, at that point it would have been the, uh, the, the Queen's English, spoke is spoken over there in England, right, by, by David Beckham. Now, I'm not saying that we understood everything that David Beckham said with his English-British accent and everything like that. But you do understand that he didn't really do anything in terms of changing it other than maybe calling it soccer here and there. Now, right? now Alex, you, I consider you a learned guy. Street well, smart. It's debatable. What, right. A scholar. Yeah. Very fit. How about that? Do we agree about that? <laughs> I'll take fit. Okay, there you fit. Go. Um, I was kidding. No. You know I was kidding. Really? I, I knew you were kidding. Now, do you know that one knucklehead writes it something like some – and next thing all you know, it takes is one. Next thing you know, I'm getting text messages over the weekend. <laughs> David Beckham speaks English. They speak English. I go, are you kidding me? In fact, I've interviewed him three times. You brought him over here. Mm -hmm. you, the, when we had the L.A., right. when they had the big press right. coverage, you were the general manager. Were you the president? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You were the president. So he was your midfielder. Right. So obviously he speaks English. So for people like Keith Oberman and everyone else, say Brian Kilmeade pretends to be a soccer guy, doesn't know that David Beckham speaks English, is Pretty beyond comprehension to me. Well, 
I, because I respect you so much, yes. even though I grew up in Michigan, I learned English for this interview too, so that you could understand <laughs> what is going on here. Even so, if you had a Michigan accent. Listen, my friend, you know that I will defend you. Uh, Thank you. you. Know, up and down. You are wonderful. And, uh, for, and also, not only did I know that you were joking, but I also know that you have an incredible history when it comes to soccer. You yeah. have been around forever. So if, there, if there's anybody here at Fox that understands the world of soccer, right. especially the American uh, soccer scene, you do. You, you're one of us, my friend. Right. I'm one of us. I think you were, uh, according to reports, I reviewed the tape, you were a better player. Eh, again, it's debatable. Right. It's debatable. But it was all po- the reason why you made the World Cup team was all politics. All, it's all po- nepotism. <laughs> it's all that know, stuff. Cr- cronyism. All Keep, the different all things. All the isms. All the isms out there. There's, there's always another ism. And then you wouldn't play in Italy. Politics. Eh, politics. Yeah. There we go. They always, so. they, always do, they like tall players that win head balls right. and score in clutch situations That's and stop forwards. It's all about the hair. Right. Absolutely. So before we talk, go back to the Women's World Cup, the fact that Messi's yeah. coming to Miami, this is so unbelievable. As great as was Beckham, and I know he was younger, this is incomprehensible. It's bigger than Pele, I would say, because we're more tapped into the sport. Game changer. Uh, game changer in terms of, look, this is arguably the GOAT, uh, greatest that we have ever seen coming and, and choosing – the U.S. choosing Inter-Miami, choosing yeah. Major League Soccer over Saudi Arabia. And lucky you deal with the news every single day. And the Saudi money that is, that is being. You're a billion dollars. It's, it's insane. It's insane. And so that, that we won in that sense. And now you have to maximize it. And so when we talk about maximizing 2026, for example, the World Cup, you have to maximize Messi coming and what he is going to do. And he is changing things. He's already, you know, the, whether it's the price of tickets going on, whether it's the interest in Inter-Miami, the social media, all that kind of stuff it's pretty amazing to see and it's it's a nice feather in the cap of major league soccer and american soccer to have this player come and play so we'll see ultimately what it looks like when that whistle blows see the one thing for me is when non-soccer players are watching the world cup and we're asking me they watch Messi put on a show in the final and the yep. biggest play and deliver the championship and everyone was able to see that mm-hmm. and then you take that guy and you put him in the mls in miami i believe when they come to red bull arena they could go to MetLife, and yeah. I think they might be able to get sixty-five thousand oh, yeah. there. Absolutely. Do you think they will? Absolutely. Do you think we'll start? Fl- I, fl- I think it stadiums? just makes sense because you know a lot of the MLS stadiums are built for twenty thousand, yeah. twenty-five thousand, and so if you can sell out an eighty-thousand-seat stadium, even with the rent that you're going to have to pay going over there, it makes financial sense. Now, I will say this though. You do know that Messi does not speak English, right? That uh, I do okay. know. Okay, so well, that, he, that was but, my original premise. Exactly. It's like, it's too bad he can't it, sit down. I and, mean, it's not a knock on him, but when you do the inevitable compare and contrast with David Beckham, you know, David Beckham was... Uh, and still is arguably one of the most famous people in the world. He spoke English. He appealed to people well outside the soccer tent, and you, you know, not your, your soccer moms. He's celebrity, and but he's you know he's going on the late night shows and doing all that. Messi's stardom uh, and his celebrity are relative, almost in totality, with what he does on the field. And that's the big difference that I see going forward. And he's coming to a league for the first time we're going to see him in a league where he's not playing on the best team. He's not playing with the best players. A league that is, on, that is manufactured for parity. And Miami is not doing well. Miami sucks. Yet. I mean, right now. So they're going to have to change some things. But maybe his coming will actually help loosen some purse strings, change some of the restrictions, and actually drive MLS forward uh, going into 2026. Now you say, I showed my professionalism. I said, they're not doing well this year. And you say, they suck. Well, that's, that's, that's how I 
rule. That That's what style? people expect from me. I'm I mean, not going to yeah. sugarcoat it like uh, like, like, uh, like I do. You. Yeah, you took, you, I took the easy way out. Yeah, exactly. You, you took the easy right, way out. Right, but it's going to see if uh, <laughs> if that changes. I I just am very curious to see. Like he comes here August 20th, I think August or 21st to play against the Red Bulls. If he changes things immediately, number two, I'd love to hear him talk about the level of play. How mu- how off it yep. is without the spin, without the cameras around you. So listen, how close is this league? Because they keep getting bigger. It's diffusing the talent, more opportunities. Do you look at the league and say they've gotten, even though it's $300 million mm-hmm. of the value now, do you think they've gotten too big? Yeah, I mean, there's a question. And look, we lived through the it's NASL. Two we lived through the NASL and ultimately – they continued to expand, and it, and, it, and it folded. I don't think that's happening. I mean, you really have to look at what MLS is almost 30 years on. It's the most successful professional soccer league that has ever been in place. It's also— In America. It, it, yeah, in America and, uh, and Canada, because uh, there's teams from Canada, too. So in North America, it's the most professional soccer—the uh, most, uh, most successful professional soccer league that has ever that has happened. And you look, put it up against other leagues, other countries and cultures. It's unprecedented how quickly it has grown how the valuations have grown, but also the impact that is made and the opportunities and the pathways that it has given to a whole generation that didn't have. I mean, I had to star in a World Cup yeah. to go play over in Europe. There are players now that are in MLS academies or are just starting out their MLS career that have very, very minimal experience that are getting opportunities to go play in Europe. That's, that's awesome. That's progress. Right. And not only that, to start. I mean, some of them yeah. are playing. So instead of a, I think Landon went over at thirty-two to Everton, yep. and you know he was coming off uh, the bench and maybe started some games. Now you have guys. Oh, I like that nineteen-year-old. Can you send him over yep. to Germany? Which yep. is unbelievable to me. It's a it's a good moment for soccer, right? So uh, back to the women's yes. World Cup. So when we look at this team, obviously they've been targeted for about three or four World Cups. This is the time where everyone catches up. From what you've seen, are they as good as past year, or is this a transition time? It is a transition time. I mean, just age. There's no Collie Lloyd. He, she's with There's you. There's no Lloyd. She's going to be hanging with me, talking. And she did a great job, by the way, in, uh, in Qatar in the World Cup. So uh, going for the third World Cup in a row. Uh, unprecedented, never been done, men's or women's. So again, history is in the offing uh, when it comes to this team. They're number one in the world. They have incredible depth, and we benefit from now multiple decades of putting resources into not just women's sports, even legally in what we do, but also uh, women's soccer, which has given us an incredible head start. But now you got teams like England, and they are they are dying. You know, earlier we did that uh, that hit. They've closed I, I, the gap big time. They've right? closed the gap, and they they smell blood with this transitional type of U.S. team that we have. And you still have some of the usual suspects: the Megan Rapinos, the Alex Morgans, uh, Becky Salbrins, Julie Ertz, those types that have already won. But you also have this new crop that's coming up, the Sophia Smiths, uh, that will make a name for themselves. But it's a transition, and so. What what do they ultimately look like, especially, like, to your point, coming up against some of these teams that are now so much farther along, like your, uh, like your Englands, who are the European champions, and now they're looking to not only win their first World Cup, but knock off the U.S. in the process. In your estimation, are those uh, England leagues, the British leagues, better than the NWSL? No, I here? think NWSL is still the best league That's in the, the highest world. Women. You know, it's arguable, and people will argue it, but... With minimal effort and resources, they have made up a you know a a lot of a, a lot of space here because they already have the infrastructure there right. and and the association with some of these big teams, men's leagues teams, and so now they see also the business because it can't be a charity when it comes to women's soccer and it isn't a charity now. People look at it as this is smart business. This asset is going to appreciate whether it's the individual team, whether it's the uh, league, and the impact that it can make. Eli Manning bought a team. 
There you go. He I mean, bought in. Yeah, that's yeah. got to be. It's got to be. They see around the corner. Right. So listen, we're gonna take a short time. Are you gonna stay for two blocks? Yeah. Or you've had that good exactly. a time. I gotta bust your you know what some more. I got all sorts right. of uh, you know. So far, you really hurt my feelings twice, <laughs> and it's my show. Which is unbelievable. So Alexi Laos is here. He's pumped up because Fox has got the 2023 Women's World Cup and they have the 2026 Men's World Cup. You know it. It's a home game. No more going to Qatar or Qatar. You know have, have you ever got it down what you were supposed to I say? I would Qatar. You know, whatever. Yeah, no, okay. Back in a moment, you listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's Brian Kilmeade. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Ticket sales for Inter-Miami already on the rise significantly. For a ticket for July 1st, which would be before Messi's arrival, start at $34. The game July 21st already sold out, and resale tickets are more than $650. July 25th's home game with tickets selling at $3,000. Pretty amazing. I mean, what's not happening in Miami? The Heat are doing fantastic. The president's being indicted. And Messi's coming to enter Miami of Major League Soccer. So uh, Lexi had to run. Uh, but I just wanted to play that. And just I know people listening right now say that you don't, you're not the biggest soccer fan. Just know this. This is a significant news event. I mean, it's just it's if, if you have a famous boxer or the Pope come over here uh, who might have made his name elsewhere. But when they come over here, the whole world will stop. You'll be watching him score every goal he scored will be leading Sports Center. We'll have it on the news. You'll see the fans line up on the outside. You'll see the stadiums being backed. All for the five foot this five foot seven, thirty four year old forward. It's pretty significant. Meanwhile, in Miami today at three o'clock, the president will walk in. At which time, we're not going to see any cameras. We're not going to see any video ever. There's not going to be an overflow room where people can watch on a monitor. There's just going to be reporters enough to watch and record. And then after the president comes in, supposed to last, I don't know how long to be honest, because they don't have a. They're not going to be taking a mug shot. They're doing electronic. Uh, fingerprints. Everybody knows he's not a flight risk, so they'll come in and come out. We'll get to see the motions. We're not even going to see uh, Elaine Cannon, who's going to be the judge overseeing this. We're going to get to see a magistrate judge who's just going to process everything, taking the motions. And um, and I believe this. Uh, think about this. Francie Yakes, who's uh, who's a, a famous prosecutor, prosecutor, said they might ask he be detained until trial. I mean, they're not going to do that, I don't think. He's running for president and is a president. Everything about this is unprecedented. But if they look at this and say this this stuff is top secret, Iran tax plans, this is such a risk, I'm worried that he still has stuff, maybe we'll detain him. That's how bad this could get. I don't see that happening, but that's even going to be offered, which is crazy to think that maybe someone will say, yeah, let's just keep him in jail until the trial. I don't think they're getting a trial by almost all the experts weigh in. They're not getting a trial until 2024. So, okay, end of this year, nothing. It's looming. There's there's motions. There's hearings. There's appearances. Building up a law team, a legal team, I should say. And then what? He gets If he gets the nomination, he heads towards the backstretch. In comes the nominations, the indictments, maybe another one or two. But it all waits or happens right at the end of the primaries. Or the beginning of the election. How crazy is that? No doubt about it, his opponents are getting a little bit more aggressive. Here's Chris Christie, who's never in the pres- who's no longer in the president's camp and planned it on unloading indictment or not cut for. It's the nature of the documents that he kept. I mean, battle plans against Iran, 
nuclear secrets, um, the presidential daily brief, which has the most important intelligence information that, a, that anyone in the country can get. These are not his personal documents. This isn't like his doodle notes on his pad or like a, a nice, you know, a newspaper article about himself. These are intelligence documents created by the government of the United States. It's our property. And the government's supposed to have that stuff not laying around. And he went on for an hour with Anderson Cooper. So we'll see if this helps Chris Christie rise in the polls. Chris Christie is unbelievably talented, smart, experienced, ran in blue state for a while. He was as hot as as hot as any governor in the country, had a little bit of controversy, didn't leave with the highest numbers. It's almost impossible to run New Jersey with the current situation it has right now in fairness to him. They can't make their bills and they can't raise taxes anymore. So Lindsey Halligan was the attorney for Donald Trump when they raided Mar-a-Lago. And she said this about what the feds have. Cut nine. Their dream is to have this trial before the election, I'm sure. Uh, they're going for the jugular there, jugular in this case. I've been involved every step of the way. I've met these people. I was there at the raid. They wouldn't let me inside the property to see what they were doing. They asked for the cameras to be turned off. Why? Then they publicized a staged photo of the alleged classified documents thrown on the floor as if that's what his office looks like on a daily basis. I was also there at the special counsel hearing where they didn't want a neutral third party. Uh, Then they leaked that there were nuclear secrets in the documents they found. Which we don't know if they're true. So I read the whole indictment, 49 times, you know, 49 pages, 37 counts, one of which is to Walt Nauta, who's a naval veteran, and Trump loves him, great aide to him. He's got the military background, served himself in the White House, and has continued with Mar-a-Lago now in Westminster. And what I'm saying is not to get your mind off the problem. The, the problem is real. It's in all 49 pages. I got it. But you just can't pretend as if you're not cherry-picking the former president and not ignoring others, including the current president of the United States. That's what has people more upset than even the documents being taken. That's why 81% of Republicans say this is pure politics. Interesting times. So glad you're here. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. From 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, around the world, this is the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. This hour, we've got a great hour on tap on a historic day. Barney and company will do a simulcast. We'll find out what's happening on Fox Business Network. The Robertsons, America's favorite family, talk about their brand new season on Fox Nation. You know him from Duck Dynasty. And Michael Goodwin was standing by. He would not be out there hunting in the woods. He wants to write in the middle of a metropolis. That is just his speed. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. And frankly, this could get even worse for the Biden team because the Chinese are unlikely to have just a spy station there. They probably have a deeper relationship with Cuba than we realized. China, why lie? They have a spy station in Cuba. The Wall Street Journal broke the story and Biden denies it. Biden's people deny it, then confirm it. The threat is real. The administration is not up to fighting against it. All they do is deflect to the previous administration. we got to fight on our hands, and both parties agree. Take advantage of the bipartisanship. Number two. The foreign national who allegedly bribed Joe and Hunter Biden allegedly has audio recordings of his conversation with them. Seventeen such recordings. 
Pretty big news, right? Caught on tape? That's what's alleged by Senator Grassley, Hunter Joe, and Burisma executives taking illicit payments when Joe was VP. This is beyond explosive. There are questions abound, including where are these tapes and why is the FBI redacting them when you hand out the paperwork, when you're in a private skiff? When are we going to hear from the FBI again? Number one. Um, what I can tell you for sure I know about that indictment is there's probably about a third of the evidence they actually have is in that indictment. There's a lot more. Uh, there will guaranteed be a lot more. Wow, it's hard to believe. 49 pages and there's more. Chris Christie weighing in last night. At first, a former president, uh, a first, a former president, perhaps future president, reigned on 37 counts, ranging from withholding national defense documents to making false statements. I'm talking about Donald Trump. No cameras anywhere. Protests and rallies everywhere. Also, it sounds like some seeing the Republican nomination are changing, seeking the Republican nomination are changing their tune on the documents. We have it all. And that's where we'll begin. Michael Goodwin, New York Post columnist. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the, the documents, and it's serious. But, Michael, one of the things that stands out is the double-triple standard. I hate it what Hillary Clinton does. I hate what this 49 pages says. I don't like that Joe Biden's got uh, classified documents at all levels, strewn across everywhere he's been. But you got to get all three and put them in the same basket. Is that Why is that so hard? Well, Brian, good morning. Look, uh, I, I think you put your finger on what, to me, is the biggest problem with this case. Um, if you look back, of course, no, there, is there no reason why no former president has ever been charged with a crime? I mean, did, were they all just angels once they left the White House? Or did previous generations know something about the fabric of America that we seem to have forgotten? Uh, because you're, you're just pouring the oil uh, on this case, the way that, the, as you say, the, the differences between the way Hillary Clinton was treated. Don't forget, she set up a private server outside the government system to, to, to house all of the information she got, which included almost daily classified materials. So you, you can't say she didn't have the intent to commit a crime, which is a prime thing. So Comey's argument back in 2016 that you know no prosecutor would take this uh, is one form of justice, right? You have the... Uh, uh, special counsel supposedly looking at Joe Biden's handling of classified material. Well, who is this guy, Robert Herr? No one has seen or, or heard from him since he was appointed. No leaks from that case. No grand jury, no subpoenas, no house raids. And then, of course, you get to Donald Trump. House raids, grand jury, subpoenas, indictments, arraignments, a whole different set of standards of justice. Uh, is it because he's a Republican? I mean, only a fool or a liar would deny it. This is very much about politics. And that's why I think previous generations were wise not to go yeah. down this route. They knew what this would do to the country. You know, I heard, I heard a phrase the other day from somebody, a Trump supporter, but a serious, a serious person saying – we're not going to vote our way out of this. And it, it, it's it, people giving up on the system because they feel the system is rigged. Now, Donald Trump has had a lot to do with that feeling. 
saying the election in 2020 was stolen. But true or not, uh, there are people who are giving up again, and that's not good for democracy. But this and Michael, can I just qualify this? this? I know you know this, but for the listener, they really they did irreparable damage in 2016, never acknowledging he legitimately won the election. Yes. That laid the groundwork for 2020. Yes, that's right, and and that is continued, right? This this separate system of justice, the Robert Mueller investigation, people the media winning Pulitzer Prizes for articles that really in the end were just disinformation put out by the deep state, uh, all leaks, all anonymous. Remember, Brian, how important it was that the world get Donald Trump's taxes. Remember what a, what a defining moment that would be? Sure. Do, does anyone remember what those taxes actually said once they got them? The story disappeared. The story disappeared and they for wanted, years. And they ended up getting the House got it after he left office for about a year. Yeah. And then and then remember before that during Russia, Russia, the uh, the meeting in Trump Tower that Don Jr. had with a Russian lawyer. Remember how that sure. was the most explosive thing for about six weeks? Does anyone remember that? Because it was nothing. It was nothing. And yet here we are again. And so this idea that. Who are you going to trust? You simply cannot trust the government, it seems, nor can you trust the media. So when people say things like we're not voting our way out of this, it, it just sounds ominous. It sounds like a give up. It could sound like a threat, but it sounds like people pulling away from the basic process. And Look, Joe Biden took office. I mean, go, I invite our listeners, go back and read his inauguration speech where he talked about uh, unity. I think he used some version of the word unity more than a dozen times and that he would work as hard for the people who didn't vote for him as those who did. Where, that, that Joe Biden was a one-day wonder. That has not been the guiding principle of his country. And as a result, the country is more disunited today than it was three years ago. Right, right now. And you've got these issues, as you you mentioned, the Chinese in Cuba, around the world. I mean, this is a very perilous time. Right. uh, Right now, they say, according to the recent poll, 81 percent of self-identified Republicans say politics was driving this case. Now, you look at this and you see some things that are really disturbing. Another self-inflicted wound from Donald Trump. You know, you keeping documents, you didn't sell them. You didn't try you didn't share them with anybody that was going to compromise our security. So no damage was done, it seems. I think most people would have known you would have put that in the indictment. Uh, you know, a Iranian businessman was able to purchase the battle plan. Uh, excuse me, the Ukrainian situation was uh, fuel, but you would see all that stuff. They would love to have said Donald Trump sold this to another country. They didn't. I'll give you careless. I give you stubborn. I, I also don't think there's an evil intent to it. I know. Documents are documents. I get it. But now 47% of the country say the charges should be against Donald Trump. Do you know what 46%, 48, 48% say charges should be filed? 47% say it's politics. So everyone agrees it's politics. But they say, well, he should be charged. He made a mistake. So then you're not saying what about ism. I'm saying legally. Go back and tell Hillary Clinton when you smash your server and your BlackBerry and your IT guy refused to comply with the subpoena to tell us what happened to 30,000 emails and what you were up to. 
that is also something that should get you in front of a judge and should get you indicted. So that's what people are talking about. They're not making an excuse for Trump. They're saying, why now? Well, and, and also, Brian, it's the process, right? So that there is no grand jury subpoena for Joe Biden's documents, no no uh, seizing of tel- of uh, phones and, and laptops and that lawyer. sort of thing in the way they did with Trump. I mean, they got one of his law- – they forced one of his lawyers to talk. There's no attorney-client privilege for Donald Trump. And so this kind of a treatment, it's the process that lets you say, oh, look at all the things Trump did. Yes, had you used the same process with Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden, you would have found similar things. I mean, think of all the classified documents all around Joe Biden's properties. Meanwhile, his son is basically selling himself to foreign powers for money, right? So how do we know that Hunter Biden right. didn't access those documents? Well. If we put all of the Biden people under oath and got all of their text and emails, we would find a lot of information. So it's the process they, that they use for Donald Trump yeah. that they haven't used for anyone else that leads to this conclusion. Uh, and I'm, that's not an exoneration of Trump, as no, you it isn't. say. No, it isn't. Uh, and we're not saying that, too. I mean, he could try to play a perfect game. And then maybe you fall short and give up a hit in the ninth. But, I mean, he basically says, oh, you, you're coming after me? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my chin out, and I'm going to give you everything. Take all your shots. I'm not going to move. And to me, everybody that doesn't want him to get hit fights for him. Everyone wants him to get hit fights. They hit him. And now we're in this vortex for the last seven years. But I want to bring people back a little bit, and that is to the investigation of Joe Biden, Burisma, and everything like that, Hunter Biden. I was shocked to see this 1023 that everybody saw this – this uh, whistleblower that came forward that has credibility with the FBI, he's got paid over $200,000 to be a credible source, came forward and says, I, I tell you, I witnessed a legal bribery scheme involving the former vice president, now president, and his son. They read it. People want to try to spin it. And then over the weekend, it became too clear to Chuck Grassley that part of the redacted passion, the portion of this unclassified document was proof of tapes. Listen to this. Cut 20. According to the 1023, the foreign national possesses two audio recordings of phone calls between him and then Vice President Joe Biden. These recordings were allegedly kept as a sort of insurance policy for the foreign national in case that he got into a tight spot. 17 recordings with Hunter and the Burisma executive, 15 with Joe, and in this document reportedly... There is something like $5 million in bribery to Hunter and one to Joe. And the comment was, Hunter's too dumb. I got to get Joe involved. And he had got the job because, drum roll please, Joe Biden, who said, I have nothing to, nothing to do with the, my son's overseas business dealings. Lie, lie, lie. Yeah, and, and where is the FBI on this, right? Redacting <laughs> I mean, it. That's what they're doing. They're redacting it. Yeah, how does? But they've had this report for how many years? I mean, the, you know, the, since the twenty twenty. Well, no, but there's initial one. Apparently, the first one was in twenty seventeen, and and then it was, and Good then point. The, yeah. the informant came back again, and twenty twenty was apparently the third time he has made this allegation. So this is not just a fluke. This is somebody who was persistent, according to. 
what what uh, Grassley and Comer and others have talked about what's actually in that 1023, which, as you know, Brian, is, is, is what the, it's the document created by the FBI from its interviews with the informant. Uh, so we don't know what all is in that. We don't know what else was left out of that, but that's a lot of stuff right there that you have an informant saying, I bribed the man who is right. now president of the United States. Yeah, I mean, yeah. how can the FBI just sit on that? I mean, if that were Donald Trump, you know, that would have leaked to the media immediately, right? It would have been like the meeting at Trump Tower and all of these things would have been front page news. You would have had a special counsel. You would have had subpoenas. That's the way Republicans get treated. Democrats right. get a pass. I yeah, mean, you know, so no interesting. denying the distinction. You know, yesterday, and Eric, I should have asked you this. Kevin McCarthy went to CNN. He was taking questions. And instead of waiting for the right question, he and Lindsey Graham did something that uh, Kayleigh McEnany did. Kayleigh McEnany would do the press conferences, and all they would ask about is Russia and Trump and some scandal and his taxes. And she would go to the last page and goes, now let me tell you the 10 major stories that you should have been asking about. I was amazed by that. I loved it. And now you have Kevin McCarthy taking questions. But instead of Kevin McCarthy taking questions about Donald Trump, he said, I just want to know why you think it's okay, CNN reporter, for Andy McCabe, who got convicted of leaking to leaking classified information to be employed by CNN, acting as an expert on CNN. By the way, Peter Strzok, another disgraced clown on CNN. James Clapper, one of 51 to sign off on the laptop. Why is he on CNN? So they are blowing off the question and going right to the topic. And make if you're not going to ask me the right question, I will not be cornered to your agenda. And I, I love the new trend. That's how frustrating Republicans, frustrated Republicans are getting. And it's something we must admit, Brian, that Donald Trump is the guy who taught Republicans these things. Right. I mean, they would not be doing this were it not for Donald Trump. He's the one who taught Republicans how to fight back. Now, he's not succeeded outside the Republican Party in many ways, but the Republicans have for too long let the media shape the narrative. And just by sitting there and answering their questions, even when you think the questions are ridiculous or biased, but answering them anyway. Uh, and so Michael, I, I got so cut up. I'm back. up against a hard break. I blew it. I should be professional. I, I, I've gotten so emotional. I talk right through it. <laughs> uh, thanks so much. Read his column every day. Michael Goodwin, thank you so much. My pleasure, Brian. NYPost.com. Back in a moment. You're with Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, welcome back. Remember I told you how the Republicans I was just discussing have blown off the questions with an agenda and just answered the questions that they wanted to get their point across to. Here's an example. Kevin McCarthy yesterday uh, on the floor with the CNN reporter. Former president is accused of misleading law enforcement, of conspiracy of obstructing justice, that's a different set of facts. Are you prepared to defend him as the former president? And what other actions will the House take in the House Judiciary Committee in terms of funding? 
Are you prepared to defend your, your network, CNN? I'm that, asking you a I'm, a, I'm answering your question. You can ask me any question you want, but I'm entitled to answer the question, okay? You can't put words in my mouth. Even though your network can hire Andrew McCabe, who was fired from the FBI for leaking classified documents. Did you remove him from your network? No, you continue to put him on. You give judgment against President Trump. So your network hires Clapper who literally lied to the American public, one of 51 other individuals that had briefings and used it politically to tell the American public that a laptop was Russia collusion. Understood what he did? Explain Clapper. Explain McCabe. Then I'll explain to you Trump. You can't sit there and live in a glass house and pretend it's not a glass house. I like that analogy. I just stumbled onto it. Um, remind me, uh, Pete, I want to keep it. Uh, back in a moment with three of the best people ever. Make it four. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Or we thank you for uh, a great day. And uh, thank you for all the treasure you blessed us with. And I know I said I got lucky, but I know where that luck comes from, Lord. And that's from you. And uh, thank you for my brother and one of my best friends here and uh we just love you so much it's in your son's name amen 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 today was awesome everyone has a pocket full of treasure we all found a coin oh man these things are they're so easy to peel the crawfish traps work to perfection let me tell you something if i'd have hit that cayenne pepper one more lick that'd have been one too many and now i'm sitting around a table enjoying one of the best things on earth to eat the crawfish but my two best buddies. Doesn't get any better than this. Get ready. The Duck Family Treasure is back for another season. Chase, Missy, Jeff, Jessica, uh, Robertsons are here. Uh, but right now in studio, Jeff and Chase are here to talk about the brand new season. You know the Duck Dynasty family. You know all the players. But they're doing something totally different. Another reason to get Fox Nation. Guys, welcome back. Thanks for thank you, having thank us. You. Right, yeah. there was a little bit of a pause there. I did not know if you were going to say thank you. I mean, there was a little bit too much of a pause. It kind of worried me. Well, I was going to let Jep go first. So, so that was touching, Jep. They, that they, was a good prayer, I Jep, will admit. No, he shared a prayer. Jep gets more nervous, so I remember that day. It was like, Jep, Because oh, you know the cameras are on. Or you just get yeah. nervous because you're saying prayer in front of your family. Uh, no, just talking in public in general. <laughs> I'm not like them. They're super outgoing. I'm more reserved. So yeah. Well, so we're but the prayer thing. That's something you've you've you just grew up very religious family. Would you say that's yeah. your whole community, or is it just more your family? Uh, I think you know our community. I mean, it's we are deep in the Bible Belt. But what's what's crazy is that we actually weren't raised in church, you know, or I guess Jelt was because he came along later. But you know, for me, my my parents were not believers, and uh, so that's what I saw when the, when they came to the Lord, and our whole life shifted for the better. I mean, I saw I I didn't learn about God. In church, I just saw it happen in real life. It was the greatest transformation that I've ever witnessed, still to this day. And then we, you know, then we started. They brought you along. They led the way. They did. And so I remember at fourteen, I I remember going in, asking my dad uh, because I had been studying the Bible, and I was like, on your own, on my own, because they didn't put any pressure on us whatsoever. We lived in the woods. We we worked hard. We had fun together. We were praying together. But I remember 
asking him about Jesus, and he's like, "That that's what changed my life." And uh, he, you mean so, you asking your dad? I asked my dad. Changed your life or his? I was at I was contemplating coming to the Lord, but as I was studying, I was asking him questions about it, and he said, "That's why you saw that." transformation because i was kind of still bitter at my dad you know because the early years were rough and so uh so i kind of had to come to that realization if i'm going to ask the lord for forgiveness i'm going to have to forgive my dad for what i saw before he he came to the lord you know so that's that's kind of where it happened and i'm thankful for it uh because it made it real to me you know Right. I mean, it's you, your whole family has a confidence and a self-assuredness and a kindness. Do you think that comes from your belief in religion? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I Honestly, a lot of it for me comes back to my grandma. Um, I was super close with my, my dad's mom. Um, just an amazing lady who loved the Lord and taught me a lot about life. She'd take me fishing, and I was a basically a human trolling motor. I would just paddle the boat around and she would just tell me about like, you know, this is what happens in this part of your life. Don't do this. You know, don't be an idiot. She used to say that <laughs> yeah. quite a bit. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that's, always a, I, that's I think, always a good axiom in any religion. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my parents were working hard. My grandparents kind of raised us. That's why we're so competitive. We played domino games every day and card games. And I mean, I just became a master at all card games. Uh, that's just what we did. And <laughs> we didn't watch TV much. Uh, the only thing we really watched was The Price is Right. And uh, she got, she was probably in her 70s. 80s. No, 80s. I think she was like early 80s. And uh, she made, she said, I have an announcement to the family. She said, uh, I want someone to drive me and I'm, I'm going to be on The Price is Right. And I think it's time I'm going to win that thing. And sure enough, uh, my dad's brother drove her to California. She got picked and she won both showcases. No oh, oh she won. At new, what age? New, eight, I think she, she was, was in like 80. 81 or so. We have a VH video of it VHS, somewhere. Yeah, we yeah, watch we it uh, every once in a while. She just swept the whole thing. She had watched that <laughs> show so much. <laughs> she, she was just, like a genius. Oh, yeah. right. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, yeah. all right. So let's talk about your brand new season. The The premise to this, where do you go and what are you looking for? Jace. We have, uh, we have gone all over this country. We have. We So what we do with our show, and I was telling you this before we were on, unlike a lot of other shows, we have no idea what's fixing to happen. We have people write in, and they give us locations with some kind of historical angle, and we let Cy pick the locations because it's fun. We're like, Cy, you pick it, which makes it, I think, hilarious. And then we go, and so uh, I think in the ones that they just released, we went to Tennessee – we and I think the others were in Louisiana. South Louisiana, yeah, yeah South Louisiana. We uh, we met a strange individual who needs his own show. His name is Captain Caviar. And what are you looking for? Uh, there, there were some old estate homes that were there in the mid eighteen hundreds. So we're looking for. Obviously, there's usually at every location we go some fantastical story about some treasure buried that they can't find. And so we're looking for that, number one. I mean, like life-changing treasure, gold cannons or – Yeah, down there uh, it was a cannon filled with gold. Yeah, that was a – Supposedly. So we're looking for that because we have sophisticated equipment. If it's down there within 100 feet, we can find it. 
But along the way, you're finding all these little relics and coins and tokens, and uh, especially in the in the first season that was just released. So you assume they were metal detectors, and then you dig. You find a place, you 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 dig. You're going to go find it, and you you don't know what's going to happen when you get in there. Exactly. And then what what we do, and the TV people love, is that we'll find a way to. You know, provide a meal for ourselves just because we've lived off the land our whole lives. We were raised in the woods. So, like, whether it's crawfish or uh, when we were in Tennessee, it was quail. They said, oh, we have a lot of quail here. We're like, well, I know what we're having for supper. So they filmed (laughs) us hunting. So we orchestrated that because I was like, I want all y'all, all all the TV people. You travel with your guns. You travel with your guns. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, of course. Okay. I mean, you Sorry. know. <laughs> Sorry for bringing well, that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so we live off the land, and we get, we're going to really remote places. And so whatever we uh, harvest and clean and cook ourselves is going to be way better than a restaurant provides anyway. And, and Jeff, you guys don't miss. Not much. I we definitely didn't in the quail episode. The quail, we went to work on them. I was real proud of Jeff. I mean, we uh, I think we missed one shot apiece. Right. Uh, for half a day, that's pretty good. Because if you if you just if you blow them apart, you can't eat them, right? Is there a where is there some place exactly. you gotta eat them? Well, yeah, we we eat everything that we shoot. Well, you can wait for them to get out of a blow up range. You, see? Oh, okay. you know what I mean? Yeah, don't shoot them too. Oh yeah, yeah you, that's you, on you. you. I mean, if you blow it, blow them up, that's on you. I mean, you can wait, and there's just in your mind, we've done this our whole lives. I mean, that's how we were raised. I mean, when you talk about the Battle of New Orleans, one of the things they write is the reason why the Americans won is they don't miss, because if you miss, you didn't eat. <sighs> right. And exactly. because yeah, you guys had better guns still, even in the 1800s. Exactly. But that my dad and even talking about our grandparents, they they taught us those kind of things. I mean, look, when we were young, we were poor, as in spelling poor with ten O's. And we basically lived off the land. So however efficient you were at hunting and fishing, that's what you ate that night. So you get good at it. I mean, (laughs) that's just the way it was, and I'm thankful for that. Right. So are you guys still living in the same region of where you're – where I saw you, where I live? Yeah, we live. You all live in separate houses right in the same area? We live on the same road. Yeah. live on the same road. Same road. My parents are about 25 – minutes away it's the same house that we were raised in and they have done nothing to it with all their success and <laughs> it's just the same well, as I, when i, I was know. a kid and by the way that's jace jason jepper here if you're watching on fox nation where the series going to be spe- uh going to be on uh there along with uh missy and jessica on who else is on for this season uh, we have my uncle Sai. He's he's like the uh, you remember that show, the Charlie Angels. He's like the Bosley. He's home base. Absolutely. Well, he keeps trying to turn this into a business, and we're giving most of what we find away because we meet these people along the way. We fall in love with them. It's their place. We're like here, but uh, my uncle Sai. He's like, no, that's run a business. <laughs> we found it. So he's trying it. to market it, and he you know he has different ways of trying to get the word out, and he wants more locations, which we welcome that because it's fun for us. So who else do we have? We have we have several people who make guest appearances. My mom's on there. Right. She's on there. What uh, have you done with Willie? Willie laughs every time we tell <laughs> he him. He was on one one last season. Season yeah. one, but he can't get past the embarrassment of it. He he doesn't want someone to drive by and him be out there. With the metal detector. Because right. yeah, he's right. thinking, you know, a uh, heavyset guy on a beach looking for somebody's ring. Uh, oh, he's got a, I'm going to talk to him. I'll get okay. him over it. I just told you, when I went to visit you guys, your family, with your dad, mom and dad were so excited because you put an extension on the back of your bed, or bedroom to make the closet bigger. 
Yeah. I go, yep. with all the money you guys are making, you have the number one show, and that's all you're doing? He goes, that's all we want to do. It's yeah. amazing. Jace, uh, Jess, and Jeb, great to see you. Congratulations on a brand-new season of the Duck Family Treasure. I know it's going to be a huge hit again on Fox Nation. Guys, stay safe. Thank you, man. Thank you. All right. Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Always great to have the Robertsons in. They got this huge hit on Fox Nation, just a real authentic family uh, doing great things. It's got my mix of it. You have discovery, a little like fishing, and then you got history, historical places and things on Fox Nation. Uh, when I'm done with this hit with uh, Stuart Varney, I should probably take my should I take my jacket off or is it too late? I'll take it out. It makes it look like I'm breaking a story. Uh, with some time with Stuart Varney, we'll be able to take some calls, and uh, we'll be on FBN in a matter of moments. So let's listen in together. On the button, and here is Brian Kilmeade. All right, Brian. Donald Trump heading back to Jersey tonight. He's going to hold a big fundraiser after his arraignment in Miami. Trump says if he wins the election in 24. He will appoint a special prosecutor to go after Biden. You think that's a good idea to be looking backwards? He's angry. Uh, He's angry because he did not go after Hillary Clinton when he got the job in 2016. Remember that. Even though Hillary Clinton weaponized this Russia investigation, now we find out she weaponized it in August. What up to because she wanted to overwhelm her email scandal. And then once he got the job, she didn't stop. And they amped it up, and Comey and company amped it up. And for the next three and a half years, he had two and a half years, they had to deal with a Russia investigation and the thought of being illegitimate. So he's angry. Do I think when they get to that point, do I think that he's going to actually execute it? No. He's got to get the nomination. He's got to win the general. And he's got to beat two indictments. So there's a long road to get there. But I understand the mindset. But he seems on track to get the nomination. Let's see. I mean, this is what it is. So in the perfect world, you look at what he did with the documents and say, I am going to judge who I vote for by the way he handled these, uh, these sensitive documents. That's called the way we used to do it. And, of course, grab the documents back and put them, in the, uh, put them in the archives where they belong. But now the way we do do it is we go after you and we try to put you in jail. And now we have a situation where we got another investigation going on at Joe Biden and nobody knows what's going on. We know they had stuff all over five separate locations, including in his garage on the floor. And you're saying, well, we don't know how that's going. But this guy, 37 counts. Yeah. I'm yeah. not saying that Trump is innocent. I'm just saying that please even pretend to yeah. be somewhat equal. Pretend. <laughs> just yeah. Pretend, please. Just All right. I've got to change the subject here. My head's exploding. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken blames Trump for the China spy base in Cuba. Watch this. It was our assessment that despite uh, awareness of the the basing efforts and and some attempts to address the challenge in the past administration, uh, we weren't making enough progress on this issue and we needed a more direct approach. We've been executing on that approach quietly, carefully, but in our judgment with results uh, ever since. I can't get into every step that we've taken, uh, but the strategy begins with diplomacy. Uh, We've engaged governments that are considering uh, hosting PRC bases at high levels. It's something that we're very carefully monitoring. Brian, it seems like he's blaming Trump, and it's always Trump's fault, isn't it? 
You know, President Obama did the same thing, and, yeah. and Secretary of Defense Gates, who stayed from the Bush to the Obama administration, would say, hey, I'm still here. Every meeting they went to, they're like, yeah, I inherited this. This was my problem. He's like, excuse me, I'm the same guy. I, would, I was with that administration. It's not all you didn't inherit all this. Barack Obama didn't stop looking back for two and a half, three years. It's amazing to me. He's on speaking terms with Bush 43, but that's the kind of class act he is. So they, this is what Admiral Kirby did. Admiral Kirby actually said the Wall Street Journal story about a spy base in Cuba financed by China, billions into Cuba, by the way, did not true. Then he comes back and says, well, it is true, but it was from 2019. So I lied, but it's because they had it in 2019. Keep in mind, this same surveillance tools were used by the Cuban communist government to crack down on the uprising among Cuban people who just wanted some semblance of freedom after 60 years of oppression. This administration just, did nothing, but the billions for China hurt Cuban people right. and hurt their, and, and allowed them to put a spy base in their country. Again, that's what China does. They come in with money and yep. they extort you when you can't pay it back. It never stops. Never stops. Brian Kilmey, great stuff. Thanks very much indeed, sir. See you again soon. Again, I'm Stuart. See you tonight at 8. Yeah, you got it. AI companies. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. That is so true. And I I don't, you know, as for example, if um, you catch me speeding, I say, well, listen, everybody else was speeding. That's what about is what I'm talking about with the court case is not that the 37 counts are invalid or are valid. Oh, and they're not serious. They are serious. But I'm just saying you can't drag one guy's butt into court and not the not the other two. And what's, what's crazy to me is that Hillary Clinton seems to be elated about this. Does she even understand, have any semblance of self-awareness, how bad she looks? Because all this stuff is coming back up to the surface again. For example, when uh, President Clinton finishes office, we're not really talking about all his affairs and Monica Lewinsky because he was relatively successful. There was peace during his time and the economy was thriving. But what he did is leave the groundwork for 9-11. When she runs for office and starts accusing Trump of uh, having – uh, dicey relationships with women or whatever the accusers are, he goes, okay, I got an idea. Let's roll out all of your husband's accusers. So she doesn't even realize the ground she's walking down, that she can't she can't be clean with this. She should keep her head down and not bring up a word about this because it just conjures up people remembering what you did with the, Rush, the phony Russia investigation and what you did with your emails, your Blackberries, and your private server destroyed them. That's what we remember. So those are a few of the things that we've been working on. So tonight at 8, I'm going to be uh, doing Fox News tonight at 8 o'clock on Fox Nation, on Fox News Channel. And at which time, I'll be able to talk for 15 minutes. I'm probably going to bring a couple of analysts on, legal analysts on, to talk about what we've seen today at 3, which is four hours from now, and then talk about the president's rally and what is he going to say. I don't know if we're going to take the whole thing, but he's been coming out on time of late. And what he's been doing is getting a ton of money. And what we're also seeing is his opponents are realizing I might be better off attacking him if I want the job. So far, Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy have been supportive and said, what about these guys? What about one standard of justice? The others are beginning to open up and take fire. And Chris Christie and Asa Hutchinson, the most aggressive. Listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. Don't move. 
From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Don't uh, Thanks so much for being here. This is the latest minute of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, Kirk Cameron at the bottom of the hour, actor, writer, producer, best-selling author. Judge Shanid's making her way now to the show. We have so much legal to talk about. This morning, Vivek Ramaswamy spoke, had a bit of a rally, and is demanding through a FOIA request to find out the communication between the attorney general and the president uh, of the United States to find out who, what, if anything, is behind uh, the investigation and the subsequent uh, uh, indictment that came its way. The president keeps saying, I had nothing to do with that, nothing to do with it. It's already been proven to be incorrect when it comes to teachers and the pandemic. We'll see what else is there. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Judge Janine is just getting ready with, with her various apparatus. Uh, Judge, it's going to be a historic day. Uh, not a great day in Trump world, but a historic day, wouldn't you say? Well, I don't think it's a great day in Trump world or in America. Uh, to be honest with you, the indictment of a former president, a candidate for president of the United States is a very sobering moment for this nation. Sobering primarily because most people in this country, and you know what the, what the numbers are, 47% think that in the end this is really an issue of selective prosecution uh, and a continuing persecution of the man since he came down that uh, escalator in 2015 your book's now out called crimes against america the left's takedown of our republic and team says that's this is going to be a chapter in your paperback well yeah it's not only going to be a chapter the whole book is uh, it couldn't be more timely given what's going on in this country the truth is that this isn't just a crime or a charge against donald trump this is something that involves the country it's a crime against america where we are politicizing the department of justice the fbi indicting a candidate for president and the, the 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 administration is the guy who's running against him for president and by the way you know we don't have to go that far back to figure out joe biden's deal he's the one who said from the get-go oh i don't know anything about my son's overseas business activities i know nothing what is that what is that, Brian? That is called consciousness of guilt. That is a man who knows he's got a lot to hide and he better hide it. Well, a couple of things. Do you remember when he looked right in the camera and said 51 intelligence experts, including five CIA directors, said that this is classic Russian disinformation, knowing damn well this is his son's laptop with all his pictures on there and his voice. So he had no problem looking in the camera saying that. Well, he not only had no problem looking in the camera and lying to the American people, he had no problem orchestrating it. He knew that this thing was was put together by all of his cronies in the swamp to make sure he could make a point against Donald Trump because he is the essence of corruption. Joe Biden and his family are the part of an organized criminal enterprise. And I talk about this in Crimes Against America. Right now, every institution of our government, whether it's the education, uh, whether it's Justice Department, whether it has to do with the free speech of the press and everyone else, is been, has been compromised by these leftist, socialist, Marxists who want to win at any cost. Right. I, I wanted to first tap into your knowledge just of the law and what's going to happen today. At 3 o'clock, the president's going to make his way down. We're not going to have any cameras. No, There's going to be no audio. What we're going to have, though, is a bunch of reporters, no no ancillary room, who are going to take in what they're seeing visually, maybe take some notes and then run out to their cameras. Right. When it's all said and done, the president's going to have a rally at 8.15 tonight. 
But in between, will motions be filed in front of the magistrate judge, for example, to dismiss the charges of anything to do with flipping of his attorney to become a uh, a witness against his client. Well, Will uh, those type me, things be put uh, into motion uh, today? Let me tell you what's going to happen today. Today is the official unsealing of the indictment where the defendant will be advised of the charges against him. He will be asked how he pleads. Uh, his his attorneys may say, you know, we waive a reading of the indictment and we will enter a plea of not guilty. The judge or the magistrate at that point will then give them a motion schedule or calendar. Your motions are due at this time and responses at this time there's a whole calendar now if you'll recall jack smith and this is a man who is a, a you know who is known for his political unsuccessful prosecutions against a governor uh in virginia against don young in alaska uh, against John Edwards. He's been rejected. Senator Menendez. Senator Menendez. He's been rejected by the Supreme Court, by appellate courts, and by juries. This guy, to get up and say, we're going to guarantee he gets a speedy trial. Let me tell you something, Brian. I've got three years. Call. I've got three years, or three decades as a prosecutor, judge, and DA. I have never heard a prosecutor insisting on a speedy trial. That's not for him to ask for. But that shows the politicization of the Department of Justice. And Make no mistake, this is a special counsel, not a uh, not a uh, special prosecutor. He answers to Merrick Garland. This did not move without Merrick Garland. And in my book, Crimes Against America, the left's takedown of our society, I talk about all of the prosecutions by these left wingers, and, and that Eric Holder, who is held in contempt of Congress, wants to come out, uh, you know, preemptively and say we're going to also, if if you win, we're going to also. Uh, uh, um, impeach you. I mean, give me a break. Get over your derangement syndrome. Let the man run. Let him run. If Americans don't want him, then that's the end of it. Right. Part of voting for him or not, I'll say, how did he handle classified documents? I want DeSantis. Or, you know, after his four years, I want Nikki Haley. Whatever your situation, I like her foreign policy. I'd rather Tim Scott. Tim Scott talks about vision, Marjorie Moore Reagan. I'll make that choice. Right. But what they're trying to do is pull Trump out of it. Right. And, he's, and I think it's freaking him out that he's winning and gaining. He gained 10 points overall and 10 points from DeSantis since the Alvin Bragg indictment. What do you think is going to happen after this? Well, I think that Americans see, they sense, they feel that it is intrinsic. They know that there is an unfair system of justice. We Americans have been bred to believe in freedom and truth and justice. And we have been confronted and slapped around since the Barack Obama years where they said, you know, no one is going to slander the prophet Muhammad at the UN. And everybody started talking. What about the first amendment, Barack Obama, when Barack Obama said he would fundamentally transform the country. And then you fast forward to Joe Biden and all you've got is there really are kids when they're in school. And by the way, uh, the FBI, you know, they didn't have anything to do with the uh, social media saying right. don't expect a hunter biden laptop in the form of russian disinformation really here well chris christie is becoming the ultimate attack dog uh and by the way just on this it looks like donald trump is putting a new legal team together i i love james trusty oh. uh, i mean uh, i just wish he was stuck around they have chris keiss 
and Todd Blanche, and they're looking to expand it. Do you have news on that? Well, no. The only thing that I didn't answer your last question, and, and let me just say, the feds are expert at taking the attorney for the accused and threatening him as that he is part of a, or she is part of a criminal conspiracy if they don't turn around and testify against their client. That is a violation of the attorney-client privilege. And Brian, as sure as I'm sitting here, I have seen it happen at least eight times in eight different cases. They go right for the jugular. They take the attorney off and they say, we're going to charge you with being a conspiracy, uh, uh, aiding and abetting a criminal act. And the attorney's like, what are you talking about? I'm representing my client. This is how unfair this has all gotten by the feds. So this is so interesting because Brett Tolman just said, judging by the 49-page indictment, most of the bad, uh, most uh, damaging information came from the attorney and the transmission, the text messages and emails between the two. Right. Uh, and maybe some of the tape recordings. But I want you to hear, uh, and, you know, look, I, I don't love that he had these documents in a time in which he knows his great scrutiny. Give them back. Uh, you don't need them. Go back and you'll you'll get it in four years if you stay on a roll. Well, then uh, why did why did why did uh, uh, Joe Biden take him and spread them all over the place in four different locations? And we have no answer on that investigation. Uh, yeah. So here's what Chris Christie said. It was a prosecutor famously cutting. I did this for seven years in New Jersey. We did 130 political corruption prosecutions without a loss. Um, what I can tell you for sure, I know, I know about that indictment is there's probably about a third of the evidence they actually have is in that indictment. There's a lot more. Uh, there will guaranteed be a lot more. When you're a prosecutor, you never put every card on the table before the trial. Um, and so there's going to be a lot more. A- Don't be fooled. There's a lot more information to come when they go to trial. Specifically, I think there are going to be a lot of witnesses who actually worked for Donald Trump who are now going to be testifying against him. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. First of all, Chris Christie apparently hates Donald Trump right now. Uh, But there will be witnesses who will testify. I don't know this personally, but that's what the feds do. They turn these witnesses and they say, you know, you're a material witness. You have to testify or, you know, we're going to charge you with perjury if they've said something else at another time. Look, these are very dangerous, dangerous, treacherous waters for anyone who's been involved in this case because the feds are gunning for a conviction on. Unlike any case they've ever handled before. Right, but the with timing is uh, – the timing should be November of 2024, right? Right. I mean, not even this year. Right. And then if it gets close, you got to think that Elaine Cannon, who is the judge, will right. say, I'm not going to get involved in an election. We're going to wait for this thing to be over. Right. Well, there's no question. I think the judge here, and let, let, let's be clear, I mean, they want her off the case. I looked at the number of judges in the Southern District of Miami, and they're either Obama judges or uh, Trump judges. I think there may be one Bush judge. All right. They want an Obama judge. They they have been forum shopping and, and court shopping for years. They want every advantage. And yet when anything comes out that indicates, you know, something may not be what they say it is, they ignore it. All right, so listen, uh, Judge Jeanine is here. The great news is her book is still out. It's still available, uh, and it's still selling great. Yeah. And it's called, and it's so appropriate now, um, and that's not the name of it. Here it's, it is. It is called Crime Against America. So uh, you can The go left's to, takedown of our republic, and, and it is everything that's happening today. It couldn't be more contemporary. All right, when we come back, I want to bring you to what Senator Grassley said yes. yesterday. So it is electric, and we're following all the events that are taking place in Miami. Security is high. People worry about emotions getting high and getting out of control. I hope it doesn't, but there's no separating both sides. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show.
The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. According to the 1023, the foreign national possesses two audio recordings of phone calls between him and then Vice President Joe Biden. These recordings were allegedly kept as a sort of insurance policy for the foreign national in case that he got into a tight spot. So that is Senator Grassley yesterday, and I was, even though he fumbled through the script, I just listened to it, I was just stunned. First I read the transcript, then I watched it back. Senator Grassley says that 1023 that he looked at was redacted, that everyone saw on the Oversight Committee. It turns out he got information, I assume, Judge Jeanine Pirro, over the weekend that said that part of the redaction said there were 17 tapes, two of which contained the former vice president, now president, talking to the head of Burisma, and Hunter is in the other 15, and some of them might have all three, and it could be as much as $5 million exchanged. Yeah. This is part of the theme of your book, Crimes Against America, the left's uh, the takedown of our republic. But this is the brand-new chapter, which will be in your paperback. <laughs> yeah. Could you give me a scenario where all of a sudden Grassley, with all his prestige, mm-hmm. would put it on the line yesterday? Let me tell you something, and, and you said it very accurately. Uh, Chuck Grassley is one of the most respected and revered United States senators. He doesn't play around. He is as straight as an arrow. He's not political. He is known for what he's done with whistleblowers and protecting them. Chuck Grassley, to make it clear... That we that there are tapes that there appear to be tapes where, you know, they've got look what they were doing is is that the head of Burisma, he's not going to just give him five million dollars and go on his merry way. He's got to have tapes. Any business executive is going to take that make tapes of their conversation and make sure he gets what he was promised. All right. So I am absolutely convinced that they have these tapes. Now, why would the FBI not allow us to get the 1023 when the 1023, which has this information in it, was never classified? This is not classified information. The FBI is covering up for the Biden crime family. The FBI and the Department of Justice is doing everything they can to prevent this stuff from coming out. Do I have to say anything other than Hunter Biden's uh, laptop investigation has taken five years? I could write the accusatory instrument right now. If it is true, if Joe Biden, if there are tapes and we've got the money trail, we've got the corroboration. Only one bank has given us a lot. Yeah, one bank out of 10. We've got corroboration. We've got Bobolinsky. We've got the laptop, which is a treasure trove of evidence corroborating circumstantial contemporary evidence of what was going on. It is all there. And they're laughing at us saying, look over there. uh, Donald Trump is a crook. It's so interesting that Robert Herr who's doing the investigation on Biden. We don't hear anything. And know what they said last week? We're not close to finished. Really? Of course not. All you have to do is go through pages. There's no no witness in Italy hiding out in some villa. All you have to do is go through paperwork. You have as much. Don't you have interns in the summer? Don't they file in? (laughs) Can't you go through some of the things in these different locations and give us an indication of the classification of what's there? And have you seen any puff pieces on Robert Herr? Nobody even knows who Robert Herr is. He is the cover for the Biden family as it relates to these classified documents and the crimes that are occurring and have been occurring since 
since Joe Biden was a senator. Think about it. Who do you know who's been in Washington for almost half a century and didn't do a damn thing, but has reached the heights of power that Joe Biden has with beach houses? Give me a break. His wife's a school teacher. All right. They've got beach houses. You mean the doctor? Yeah, Dr. Jill. Right. 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 But, But, Judge, let me ask something. And this is a legitimate question. Bill Barr came out and said, this is this is real. I gave it to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh investigated, but they weren't allowed to charge. So we saved, gave it over to the Delaware. But through that process, Bill Barr did not any point, at any point say there were tapes. Why is that? Did he not know? Or could this could Senator Grassley have gotten it wrong? Do you have any idea? Well, I think that Bill Barr probably wouldn't offer any information other than to comment on the information that's already out. Look, I, I don't see Bill Barr as the kind of guy who's out there fighting for you know the the average American or fighting to maintain confidence in our justice system. He is he is part of the institution. He is part of the establishment. He is part of that whole crew. Is he respected? Yes, by many. But I'm not not so sure that, you know, I take his concerns as greatly as other people do. So, so today at, uh, at three o'clock, they are going to ask, according to uh, Francie uh, Hakes, she came out and said that there might be a move to detain the president. Uh, think about that for a second. Even if it doesn't not fulfilled by a magistrate judge, is that possible? They say that these classifications are, and this is so egregious, we don't think he should be allowed out of prison. You know, Brian, it's one time in in my life, uh, very few, that I don't even have an answer for it. It is so outrageous. It is so beyond the pale. It is so indicative of their hatred and the Trump derangement syndrome by these people. They don't want him out there. Joe Biden's got stuff in his in his garage with his drug addict son who's running around the world collecting money, millions in, in garbage bags from China, our enemy, while China's pissing all over the United States. Give me a break. It would be crazy uh, to have happen Uh, from what the president has. He's got two attorneys right now, Mm -hmm. and they say that they're looking for others. How many do you need? Well, I think in a case like this, you need several attorneys. You need a team. I mean, there's a lot going on. The feds, the prosecution is going to want to move very quickly. Uh, They're going to want to make motion. You got to go 37 for 37. Yeah. Yeah. And at, at the end of the day, um, I, I think you need a you need a big team. And the Fed's business is to threaten all these lawyers so that Trump doesn't have uh, the representation he's entitled to. Crimes Against America is now out. It gives the background of how we got to the place we are right now. And if you under if are exercised about this after reading it, yeah. uh, you'll take action and understand. Yeah. Uh, you know, not everything's perfect, but there should be equal justice. Yep. Uh, Judge Janine, we'll see you on the five tonight. Yeah, I'll be there. Right. And. Uh, Uh, I appreciate it, Brian. Keep fighting the good fight. We all are. Crimes Against America. Pick it up. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Um, Hey, we're here with Kirk Cameron, actor, writer, producer, best-selling author. His latest book is called Pride Comes Before... The fall uh, aimed at children uh, in a good way uh, to help influence in a positive way. And as usual, Kirk, wherever you go, it creates controversy and it also sells books. Kirk, great to see you in person, man. (laughs) You too. It's great to be here. The the idea that kids' books about love, joy, kindness, gentleness, and self-control are controversial tells us where we've come in our society. Right. I mean, this is this is Pride Month. And now the president said uh, a couple of days ago uh, as Pride celebration, 
he's front of the bravest people he knows. And I just said to myself, if I'm in the military and I'm, I'm a Navy SEAL and I'm sitting there with face paint on in Somalia, I'm wondering if the people, as much as I respect the people on the on the lawn, is that really the, the kind of statement you want to make as president? I don't think so. I don't think I don't think you so think so either. I and, know it. And, and the whole the whole concept is so ironic to me, because if you think about pride and and traditionally what that term has really stood for, um, it's not synonymous with love like we see in the rainbow letters in the Starbucks window: love and pride, love and pride. They're actually the opposite, uh, because love is about others and and about God, and pride is actually about ourself. And so uh, a right term to express uh, maximum love would be humility, serving others, not serving myself. And and the idea that we have a month set aside to celebrate who some people like to have sex with or, or or like to have sex as is mind boggling. And to teach that to children not only doesn't make sense, I think it reveals the agenda, which is to uh, indoctrinate children with a worldview that in the a couple of decades becomes the only normal they know and family and church has been deconstructed and replaced with the state. I'm, I'm watching a state lawmaker in California make a statement that their seven-year-old is gender fluid. Yeah, he, and, and he knows because he understands all these things at seven years old. That's insane. This other one saying, I knew my kid. I was in the wrong sex at three years old and they knew it. I mean <laughs> – what do you say to that? And now if you're a parent that stands in the way of your kid uh, changing genders, you could have your kid taken away in California. I hope you don't live there anymore. Have I still left? live in California. Are you, what yeah. is wrong with th- you? Th- that's right. You know, God made a beautiful place and with Incredible. mountains and beaches and weather, no bugs or humidity. But the people have really trashed it. Um, I love listening to you and I love talking, having these discussions because you just make so much sense. And and it seems like so much of the society has has gone insane. It appears now that um, transgenderism is the only acceptable religion on the left. And it is a religion. It's it's, it's like a cult. And the, the public schools have become its church where our children are indoctrinated at the youngest of ages now. And we are dogmatically told that we must sacrifice their hearts and minds on the altar of wokeism and bring our tithes and offerings in the form of taxes. Right. Um, so we, we, we've got to wake up and say, what is the cure for this cult? You know, what's so interesting is that I remember as a kid, fourth grade, you got to pick an instrument. And I thought to myself, and I remember the family discussion, it's really too early to pick an instrument. To know. Why just one? That was the family discussion. I'm like, I'm thinking clarinet, but it could be the trumpet. What if I make the wrong decision? Woodwind or brass? So that was the big decision back then. And now you're saying uh, sooner or later you're going to have to pick a gender. I don't want to jump to conclusions, but I'm hoping man. That's right. So what is – I mean sometimes I think we're being punked, some of these conversations, that this is not really happening. Listen to Dylan Mulvaney, who single-handedly, not through – not necessarily his fault – uh, destroyed Bud Light. Listen to what Dylan hopes for. Like the articles written about me using he pronouns and calling me a man over and over again. And I I feel like that should be illegal. I, I don't know. That's that's just bad journalism. Do you think people should be arrested for that? <laughs> of course not. You see, this is the kind of delusion that comes over 
not only individuals, but eventually the entire nation when we don't have a, a, a moral standard that is fixed. Right. And some things are always going to be evil. Um, murdering children in the womb is bad, whether you call that health care or, or not. Um, but if you've uprooted yourself from transcendent truths like love God with all of your heart, the path of obedience to his word is the path of blessing, choose to sin, choose to suffer. If you, if you, if you get rid of all of that stuff, you now become a standard unto yourself and anything's possible, like we're hearing from Dylan and other people. But it, it never, that story never ends well. That's why I'm trying to tell stories to kids that are about truth and beauty and goodness, rightly understood. Um, and I want to talk to kids about pride being dangerous, humility being virtuous, and that's what every common sense parent knows. You don't send your kids to school and say, hey, honey, I hope you learn to be a, uh, a person full of pride today. No, I want you to learn how to be kind and humble. And in, uh, in your book, Pride Comes Before the Fall, how many pages? 25? Um, if, if, if that, okay. I, I think it's something so it's, like 24, it's, it's, 22. It meant to send a message. Now, being prideful of accomplishments, being prideful of who you are, that could be positive, right? Yeah, so what are you trying to get across? Sometimes pride gets in the way, uh, as adults especially. Yeah. So what I tell my son I'm proud of him, what I'm saying is I'm celebrating his accomplishments. Or I'm saying, man, I'm proud to be an American. I'm grateful. I'm so thankful that I live here. I feel like I won the lottery. But this idea of pride is the one where you exalt yourself. You're focused. It's a narcissistic quality that says, look at me, celebrate me. It's about me being better than other people. I think pride is the root of racism. It's when you judge others and use yourself as the standard of what's best. I think pride is at the, the root of uh, misogyny or white supremacy or uh, any kind of violation of human rights. Pride, Jesus said, is what caused Satan to fall from heaven like lightning because he tried to um, overthrow God and grab his glory. And that's, that's what pride does to us. It, it, it makes us think that we can be our own God, that we can define morality, we can define gender, and we can create reality in our own image. Right, and it just seems like surreal in dealing with people that have a different view of things that we used to take for granted. We used to debate things like stem cell research. Which is deep. We can go back and forth and very smart people going back and forth. AI is a, is a very good debate to have. It's on a high level. Tell me about it. This is how I feel. Those are interesting debates that are worthy of our time. I feel sometimes like, am I really doing a talking? Last night I did the 8 o'clock show and two of our blocks were about transgenderism. And, what, and I'm thinking to myself, there's got to be something more important than this out there, but it seems to be raging. And then I watch Mark Cuban, who I really respect. You watch him on Shark Tank all the time. He came out and said, despite Target losing $15 billion of market cap, Bud Light no longer being the king of beers, it is good for these companies to go woke. Take a short-term short -term loss. This is good business. I don't understand. He didn't explain himself. Can you explain what he's talking about? I have no idea. I would like that. That's that's the question that all of us want answered is why? Why is that good for business? Why would these giant companies do it? I saw an interview with Larry Fink and he BlackRock and he was talking about th the forcing of companies like this to go woke or they will be impacted with regard to how much money they get in credit 
from places like Vanguard and BlackRock, that if they don't go woke, they will go broke. So I don't think that it's Target's not getting the, the message in terms of uh, people saying we don't want to go there. I think business. that there is a louder message in their ear from the money sources saying if you don't do what we say, you're going broke. So here's what he says. There is a reason almost all of the top 10 market cap companies in the U.S. can be considered woke. It's good business. Most CEOs have enough experience to know to just wait out the news cycle until they go to the next one. First dig a, first a dip in the market cap is meaningless. You have to realize that there aren't many individual owner of stocks. Almost all ownership is via various funds, and he goes on. So, so, we, so yeah. So what they're saying is that the, these uh, mutual fund controllers are really setting – the moral narrative for the nation. And as long as people go along with it and accept it, uh, then then they're right. It'll pass, and then the next generation will say, oh, this is all a good thing. So uh, John Chris is an outstanding comedian. He actually, his parents, uh, they're both pastors. His dad was a pastor and they was in a church. So he uses comedy through uh, religion. So he's religious-oriented. He's in Salt Lake City, and he's known for his videos. So try to picture this. Here's John Chris talking about Pride Month, Salt Lake City version. Yo, I've been walking around. I've been walking around Salt Lake for like an afternoon. This city cannot, literally, cannot get enough of Pride Month. Just literally drinking out of a fire hose. And they, I, I was thinking to myself, has any city like waved the white flag quicker and like surrendered easier than Salt Lake City? Except for obviously PGA Tour surrendering to the Live Tour. Has anyone else has, has anyone else given up without a fight quicker than Salt Lake? Like used to be, the capital of the LDS Church, very values-based city. You know what I'm saying? Like, can't buy alcohol on Sundays. The alcohol you do buy is like has less alcoholic content. Like very a lot of rules and just the progressive movement came in and just immediately like, we're sorry, we didn't mean to offend anyone. Please do whatever you want. Take our city. Like. Even Texas, they're like, hey, we want to wave the pride flag. And they're like, nah, we're good. We love you, but nah, I don't think so. Salt Lake City just just gave up, dude. He's just talking about one of the yeah. most conservative cities, the LDS Church, and wherever you go, there was a flag. And you see him walking around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in America, I think we have, uh, we have amnesia. We've forgotten who we are, and we've forgotten uh, how we got all of this prosperity and, and liberty uh, all of our our political system, uh, the basis for all of it comes out of a value system that is diametrically opposed to this uh, woke mafia and and its standards. And if you don't know who you are and you don't know whose you are, you don't know where you came from, you certainly don't understand where you're going with all of this stuff, and you're in trouble. And, and that's why I appreciate you. That's why I appreciate those who are standing for what's true and what's good. And we need to teach these things to our kids because they're the most evil, easily manipulated and deceived. And no one's anti-gay. We're not saying that. I just think that if you're going to put a month aside, what about a military month instead of a memorial day? You know, if you're looking to carve out a month, maybe that would be a better idea. Um, listen, Kirk, can you stick around? Yeah. You don't want to. No, I, I'm, I'm wanting, was, again, to, I wanting to be course. truthful. I, I, I want to know that I've got time to stick around, but I want to stick around. What do you think, Pete? Do you think he has time to stick around? I think for you, everybody makes time. <laughs> really? I think that would have been nice for Kirk to say as opposed to, to you. But no, can you? Beat me to the punch. I think I can. Zach, do we have time? Can I, can I stay for a little bit longer? 
Yeah. Good. Oh, you got All a right. thumbs you up. Thumbs yeah, up. thumbs up through the glass. Yeah, I just don't know the schedule. This is a true slice of life reality show. Kirk Cameron's here. He does not know his schedule, but he knows he wants <laughs> to stay. Uh, Pride comes before the fall. Uh, download it now, especially for parents. Father's Day is coming up. What a great gift to get your dad. Fred, you buy it for him, and he reads it to you. Back in a moment. Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Can we take a little video? Hi, Mr. President. It is an honor of trans rights and human rights. Are we topless at the White House? So after after he, uh, this transgender guy, or I assume, uh, shook hands with the president, immediately took their tops off on the White House lawn. Think about that. I mean, these that's what the White House is doing. These are dudes or girls. It, they look like um, transgender women. So it's men, right? So it's like a man. So with fake breasts, uh, takes the top off. So what am I supposed that's to say a, to that? That's an image it's, I never I'm, want to see. Right. And I'm sorry for making you, but you did question me. Yeah. And I did welcome <laughs> to the question. So that, that's what the president spent his day doing. That, that's the president's week. That and he had a root canal. Yeah. I called the White House the other day, and uh, I, I, I left a message because I had this idea as I was having my coffee. Um, you know, I was walking here in the city, and I'm passing the Starbucks, and I, I, um, I'm, I'm seeing the, the, the love, pride, pride, and then I, and then I see Biden raise the pride flag uh, over the White House. And I thought to myself, you know, what, what would George Washington do if he were the president of the United States? And I found George Washington actually had a flag that he raised. George Washington raised the humility flag under his leadership as commander-in-chief of the Continental Army in 1775, and it said an appeal to heaven, an appeal to heaven, a declaration of humility and dependence upon God, which is the opposite of pride. So our nation was actually founded and built on humility, not on pride. And so I called the White House and I, uh, I wrote in a suggestion. I'm, I don't know if Joe will call me back or not, but I said, if you really want to be a nation that's known for love, love, love and loving well, uh, we need to swap out the pride flag for the original humility flag. Right. Um, I don't think you should have watched the Tonys. Did you? I did not. Right. That was basically they called Governor DeSantis the Grand Wizard. So and it just went downhill from there. Mm. So that's the president's that's the president's audience. I wish that there was some type of semblance of sanity out there. Not anti anything, just live your life, but leave the kids alone. And that's what your book kind of pushes back on that. Can you just let kids be kids? I mean, is that possible? Why are you delving into it? Why do you have to pass a law that says do not talk about uh genderism or sexuality before seventh grade? Why does it have to have a law for that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I understand. That sounds crazy to us. But but when I think about it from – try to get to 100,000 feet, um, actually those on the left that are looking to um, in, indoctrinate kids are doing it for the same reasons that you and I as parents want to be in charge of teaching our children from the youngest of ages. We, we, we read books to our kids in the womb. Why are you going after the kids? They're not even born yet. Well, because the concept is – 
Their little hearts and minds are so malleable you want to get to them as early as possible with the values you want them to hold dear. And that's what they're doing. So it's crazy when we see drag queens going after kids. But to them, that is the way you break down the structure of the family and structure and of the church. Want, why would someone want that? Well, because that fundamentally puts the elites in control. So our country is based on the decentralization of power and putting into the hands of the people, uh, breaking up the, the branches of government and putting parents in authority over their children and the states primarily with the rights, not the federal government. But the opposite is what authoritarians and dictators want to do is they want to eliminate all that, consolidate power at the top. And the way you do it is you've got to take out the family and you've got to take out the church. So it's interesting. Stanford University did a study about charter schools to see how successful they were. And what happened during the pandemic? Well, kids suffered. They didn't go to school. And also parents listened in. And they heard what was happening on in Zoom in many situations, and they were horrified. And it's caused a boom in charter schools. And it turns out almost everywhere, charter schools gives kids on average 16 more hours of education a week, and their test scores are significantly up. And guess what? A lot of people are seeking out and finding the charter schools, and they never would have. They said, well, my older kid went to that school. I went to that school. So I came out all right. Let's just go. What's worse? You have a bad teacher here and there, and now people are realizing, no, I got to go seek it out. And in a way, couldn't that be a good thing? Yeah, no. No, it's the difference between indoctrination and education. And the government, in my opinion, should have nothing to do with education. That is uh, de- belongs in the realm of the family and led by the people who love the kids most, and that's Kurt their Cameron, parents. thanks so much. Pride comes before the fall. Congratulations. Go pick it up. Download it now. And I'll see everybody tonight at 8 o'clock on Fox News Tonight. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.